football, baseball, basketball, hockey, soccer, and pickleball. (laughs) Did you know there's a professional pickleball league? It's fantastic. I've never watched it, but someday I will. Did you also know, we, we have some connections here at First Church to a starting quarterback in the NFL. It's fantastic. A uh, kid by the name of Brett Rippon, uh, he is starting for the Broncos today. So if, you, if we're not done by 1 o'clock, just leave so you can watch him play. Okay? Uh, one, of our, one of our members, Tommy, has been working with uh, Brett since he was at least a freshman in high school. I actually had an opportunity to work with him for a year at Shadle. Uh, for those that don't know, I spent five or six years coaching the captains at Shadle, uh, and I was thoroughly impressed with Coach Mace. He is not here. He and his wife are members here. Coach, if you're watching, just a shout out. Uh, Coach does great things with those kids. Uh, he's been investing in them, pouring his life into them, building into them for years now, and I've loved that. I love being part of the Highlander football program. I've kind of taken a little step back from that because my youngest is... Uh, now a sophomore in high school at the Mead High School program. We got one person who's cheering for me. That makes two of us, Connie. Woohoo! Go Panthers! Um, I've been curious to watch their newer head football coach. He's been there, I think this is his third season. The first one was a COVID-shortened season. And I've been watching not necessarily his defensive strategy or his offensive play calling. I've, I've looked at who he's bringing on the coaching staff. But more importantly, I've looked at how he is investing in the kids. And I'm seeing some intentionality with him. Uh, last year, when the varsity made the playoffs, Coach very specifically grabbed, very purposely grabbed four or five freshmen who hadn't played any sort of varsity and invited them to travel with the varsity team to the playoffs. It was pretty cool. Uh, now, he did that, I'm guessing, because he wanted them to be around the varsity program. Right? He wanted them to see how the, the captains interact with each other. He wanted them to, to see how he, as a coach, interacted with them. Um, none of them had played any varsity that year, but they got to travel with the team, which was cool. So that was last year. This year they are sophomores, and all but one of them, one of them starting on varsity, but the others are all playing JV, and they swing. Uh, they swing up to varsity. Some of you know what that means. Uh, it means they play both JV and they suit up for varsity. So somehow during the week, they practice with the varsity and the JV. I haven't figured that out yet, but they do. And then on Friday nights, they suit up. Uh, Occasionally, they will get in the game, Uh, usually when they're up by a lot. Like uh, Friday, uh, my son's one of those, JJ, uh, he got in when they were up 41 to nothing. Um, It was fun. Some people would call that garbage time. I don't call it garbage time at all because I think any chance these young kids have an opportunity to be around the other players, the other coaches, and get a feel for the heartbeat, the DNA, the the core of who that program is, I think it's going to be good. Um, Next year when these kids are juniors and when they're seniors, they're going to be fully bought in, not just to the program, but to the coach and the coaching staff who has invited them in each of the four years. I think Jesus would have made a good coach. Amen? Amen. How's that for like a cheesy transition? (laughs) I've been working on that all week. I think Jesus would have made a really good coach. We're going to look at why in just a second. Let me pray. Uh, God, my prayer this morning is simple. Let us have ears to hear so that we can understand. I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. 
Grab your Bibles. Uh, if you have them, whether they're electronic or they're paper, if you didn't bring a, a paper copy, the maroon ones under the seat are Bibles. Turn to Mark chapter 4. This is the life story of Jesus as told by the guy named Mark. And we're in week seven, I think, of a sermon series that we've titled, uh, you can read it with me, Offensive Christianity. Who's in, who's out? If this is your first Sunday, whether you're watching online or in person or your second Sunday, I'd encourage you, go back and hop on our website and watch and listen to the first six. Not because we want more views or more clicks on our website, but because up, up until today, in these first three chapters of Mark, we have not seen Jesus not invite anyone. Make sense? We have not seen him turn away anybody. We, we've not seen him disengage. We've not seen him ignore anybody. We have seen him give this invitation into his sphere, his, his kingdom now, uh, to people who have not accepted the invitation. But up until today, uh, we have not seen him keep anybody out. Today we jumped into a teaching with uh, a lot of words in red, if you've got the red letter edition Bibles, and that means it's Jesus talking. And I've wondered what we do when we get to this point, because there's several chapters where it is basically just red, where there's not long lines of people needing to be healed, where there's not uh, demons to be cast out, where there's not interruptions to happen. So I guess we'll find out, okay? Mark chapter 1. Once again, Jesus began teaching by the lakeshore. A very large crowd soon gathered around him, so he got into a boat. Then he sat in the boat while all the people remained on the shore. Another day, another crowd, another time where the boat is a pulpit. Except this time, last week, Jesus got into a boat so the crowds wouldn't crush him. I picture this week a little bit calmer. This gives Jesus another opportunity to share his heart his DNA, his culture, gives him a chance to preach and to teach, which he does, verse 2 through 9. He taught them, the people, by telling many stories in the form of parables such as this one. Listen, a farmer went out to plant some seed. As he scattered it across his field, some of the seed fell on a footpath, and the birds came and ate it. Other seed fell on shallow soil with underlying rock. The seeds sprouted quickly because the soil was shallow. But the plant soon wilted under the hot sun, and since it didn't have deep roots, it died. Other seed fell among the thorns that grew up and choked out the tender plants so that they produced no grain at all. And still other seeds fell on fertile soil, and they sprouted, grew, and produced a crop that was 30, 60, and even 100 times as much as had been planted. Then Jesus said, anyone with ears to hear should listen and understand. Raise your hand if you've ever heard a sermon on this passage. Okay, raise your other hand if you've ever heard more than one sermon on this passage. I have too, all right? No matter how many times we have heard preachers or pastors or podcasts pontificate on this passage, I want us not to miss verse 9. Anyone with ears to hear should listen and understand. My prayer all week has been, God, help us to listen to what you would say to us today through this text. So we keep going in verse 10. Later, when Jesus was alone with his 12 disciples and with the others who were gathered around, they asked him what the parables meant. And he replied, you are permitted to understand the secret of the kingdom of God. 
But I use parables for, everyone, for everything I say to, to outsiders so that the scriptures might be fulfilled. When they see what I do, they will learn nothing. When they hear what I say, they will not understand. Otherwise, they would turn to me and be forgiven. If you could see in my Bible, I have a big why, question mark, question mark, question mark, exclamation point, exclamation point, question mark. Why? Right? I mean, isn't Jesus' whole purpose so that people would understand who he is and they would come to him and be forgiven? So why this, this quote that he gives out of Isaiah, when they see what I do, they'll learn nothing. When they hear what I say, they'll not understand. Otherwise, they'd turn to me and forgiven, be forgiven. Anybody know the answer? Why? Okay, sweet. Let's talk after service, okay? Thank you. Because I don't know the answer, and I just don't like this verse. But I do like... I do like that it seems like Coach Jesus just showed up in verse 10. Later, when Jesus was alone with his 12 disciples and with others who were gathered around him, Jesus is essentially grabbing the freshmen, pulling them in, saying, hey, let's talk. Verse 13, then Jesus said to them, if you can't understand this meaning of the parable, then how will you understand all the other parables? And I bet they're all sitting there scratching their head like, this doesn't help. Verse 14, Jesus says, The farmer plants seed by taking God's word to others. The seed that fell on the footpath represents those who hear the message, only to have Satan come at once and take it away. The seed on the rocky soil represents those who hear the message and immediately receive it with joy. But since they don't have deep roots, they don't last long. They fall away as soon as they have problems or are persecuted for believing God's word. The seed that fell among the thorns represents others who hear God's word, but all too quickly the message is crowded out by the worries of this life, the lure of wealth, and the desire for other things, so no fruit is produced. And the seed that fell on good soil represents those who hear and accept God's word and produce a harvest of 30, 60, or even 100 times as much as had been planted." He who has ears to hear, let him listen and understand. We're going to come back to this passage, because again, by show of hands, almost all of you have heard a message on this passage. We're going to actually put ourselves onto the soil in a little bit, in a little bit later. We're going to try and figure out what the culture, what the DNA, what Jesus' heartbeat is through this and where we fit in that. Now, I'm going to keep going, because that's what it looks like Jesus did. Because the next verse, verse 21, starts with, Then... So it's as if he takes a breath and keeps going. Then Jesus asked them, would anyone light a lamp and put it under a basket or under a bed? Of course not. A lamp is placed on a stand where its light will shine. For everything that is hidden will eventually be brought into the open and every secret will be brought to light. Anyone with ears to hear should listen and understand. You got it? You understand it? Everything we've said makes sense so far. Jesus is in a boat, there's big crowds, and he just keeps teaching and teaching, and then he takes a breath and teaches more and more and more. I mean, if you had sat there and listened to him, would you be scratching your head at all? Like, huh, okay, I think I get it, but I, I don't know for sure. And wait, I'd listen to you preach on this mountain, like the Sermon on a Mountain. You said something about, you know, not letting your good deeds be done for everybody to see and not let your right hand know what your left hand says. And yet now you're telling me to be a light to get on so that everybody can see it. What? I, I don't get it. You feel the tension? I wonder if the disciples would have felt the tension. And I wonder if they would have raised their hand and, and then Jesus would have kept right on teaching. 
Because in verse 24, it says, Then he added, Pay close attention to what you hear. The closer you listen, the more understanding you'll be given. And you will receive even more. To those who listen to my teaching, more understanding will be given. But to those who are not listening, even what little understanding they have will be taken away from them. I mean, if I'm putting myself on the shore, maybe even in front of the shore, trying to listen to Jesus, and I'm having this inner unrest, this inner tension about like, wait, I don't fully get it. And then I hear him say, listen closely, because if you're listening and you understand, then you're going to understand more. But if you're not listening and you're not understanding, then what you understand, you're going to get taken away from you. Are you following me? (gasps) Jesus paused long enough (laughs) to take a breath. And verse 30 says, then Jesus also asked or said, the kingdom of God is like a farmer who scatters seed on the ground. Well, here we go again. He just told a a parable about seed. Night and day while he's asleep or awake, the seed sprouts and grows, but he does not understand how it happens. The earth produces crops on its own. First, the leaf blade pushes through, and then the heads of wheat are formed, and finally the grain ripens. And as soon as the grain is ready, the farmer comes and harvests it with a sickle, for the time of the harvest has come. Anybody feel like they're drinking from a fire hose? Yeah, because Jesus then said, how can I describe the kingdom of God? Someone's trying to take notes in the, um, like, what story should I use to illustrate It's like a mustard seed planted in the ground. It's the smallest of all seeds, but it becomes the largest of all garden plants. It grows long branches, and the birds can come and make its nest in the shade. For those who feel like you're drinking from a fire hose, maybe you're thinking to yourself, is James ever going to stop? Is he ever going to, you know, explain what we're reading through? Nope. I wonder how those people felt, those that showed up for a free lunch and a miraculous healing or two, and yet Jesus keeps telling them stories and keeps saying, you need to listen and understand, but if you don't understand, you're not going to get it anyways, but if you do understand, you're going to be given more understanding. I wonder if they were hearing his words but not really understanding what he was saying. It's a lot like when I watched the British baking show on Netflix. Always wants me to, wants to make, always makes me want to make a cake, but I don't understand a word of what they're saying because they talk so fast and they got this fantastic accent. But I get to the end of it and I don't know what they put in their cake, but it looks amazing. And I wonder if that's how these crowds felt. Like, what is Jesus saying? What does he mean by that? Is he going to stop and explain this? What? Jesus used many similar stories, this is verse 33, and illustrations to teach the people as much as they could understand. In fact, in his public ministry, he never taught without using parables, but after, when he was alone with his disciples, he explained everything to them. Jesus would have made a good coach, right? He pulls the men aside, he explains what was going on, the things to them. He lets them ask questions. He makes sure they understand. He makes sure they're hearing. He makes sure they're experiencing his heartbeat, his DNA, his passion. I read and reread and reread this chapter this past week, which is part of my process for getting ready. 
And as I read it, I kept thinking back in my head, ooh, there was a good sermon about this, and this was the main application point, and ooh, I could, I could add this to the message, and, and it, maybe it would, it would still work as an application point. But I found my, my head pushing back against my heart, which kept hearing the verse that Jesus repeats, anyone with ears to hear should listen and understand, and I kept adding the word today at the end of it. Anyone with ears to hear should listen and understand today. Because I could tell you the last time I heard a sermon preached on this, I was sitting right over there, I could tell you what the application point was, I could tell you what I did throughout the next couple week or two with it, but that's not today, this is today. So is Jesus saying to us, anyone with ears to hear should listen and understand I mean, it's like the coach has a whistle and he's blowing it. And when that happens, everybody comes running. They take a knee and and he's like, listen up. Let me tell you what we're doing. Let me make sure you know where we're going. I don't know if Jesus had a whistle. Probably not. Maybe he could do that thing with his fingers. I I can't. A couple others, I saw you get ready to do it. Whoa. Jesus keeps going. He's still in the boat, still teaching the people. As evening came, I love that, he had been teaching all day. As evening came, Jesus said to his disciples, let's, uh, let's go across to the other side of the lake. So they took Jesus out in the boat and started to go, leaving the crowds behind, although other boats followed. Soon a fierce storm came up, high waves were breaking into the boat, and it began to fill with water. Jesus was sleeping at the back of the boat with his head on a cushion, I love that. If you guys ever want an excuse to sleep in church, here it is. You've got it. Just bring a cushion so we know that you're asleep. The disciples woke him up, shouting, Teacher, don't you care that we're about to drown? And when Jesus woke up, he rebuked the wind and said to the waves, Silence, be still. I wonder if he, you know, I've always pictured this as big, booming, like, Silence, be still. But I wonder if it was just like, shh. And then a calm. Suddenly the wind stopped, and there was a great calm. And Jesus asked them, why are you afraid? Do you have no faith? The disciples were already terrified, absolutely terrified. Who is this man, they asked each other. Even the wind and the waves obey him. There's 100 or 200 or 500 great sermons just in that passage as well. Now, for those who are, who are here for the first time and you're thinking, is pastor going to have any points? Like, give me three points in a poem so that I can leave and write them down. I'll give you three quick points here, okay? Just three quick points if you're taking notes. The first, in this short story, I saw something Jesus had already been doing in the rest of the text. He's drawing people in. He's inviting them in. Into proximity with himself. He does that in verse 10, in verse 34, and in verse 36. You can't be in too much closer proximity than a small boat in the middle of a storm. That's the first thing, okay? So if you're writing notes, point number one, Jesus brings people into proximity with himself. Point number two, Jesus uses that proximity to show the people who he is and what his heartbeat is, and his passion, and his DNA, and what makes him tick. And in this small story, the disciples realized that what made Jesus tick terrified them. Who in the world is this? When was the last time you were scared to death of Jesus? Third, not sure if you saw this earlier, but this word others resurfaced. This time splashing above the waves, verse 36 So they took Jesus into the boat and started out leaving the crowds behind, although other boats followed. 
see this also in chapter 4, verse 10. Later, when Jesus was alone with his 12 disciples and with the others. Others. I love that. I love that because that rub for me at verse 12 that I didn't like because I didn't understand why Jesus would you know, teach in a way that maybe some people didn't understand. To me, this is Jesus saying, hey, not just the 12, but everybody else. If you want to listen and understand, come close. I'm going to show you my heartbeat. You may not have lived in Galilee. Maybe you're sitting in a green cushioned chair in the corner of Ash and Cortland on October 23rd, 2022. But Jesus is still beckoning us in. On these times where there's a lot of words in red, I think it's good for us to just stop and listen to those words, to soak in those words, to, to ask the question, Jesus, what is it you want me to hear today? And we can be part of those others. I think Jesus wants us to hear and understand. I think he wants to give us more understanding. I think he wants us to say, oh, that makes sense. I think it's every pastor's goal that people remember every word they say, which is not at all what happens. We know that. 5% of what I say you remember by the time you get to your car, and the rest of that just goes downhill from there. I think more than that, it's every pastor's goal that they would listen to what Jesus says and that they would remember what his words were. So we're going to wrap up our time this morning at least in the word, a little bit different than we normally do. For some of you who have been with us for a while, you know that the uh, fancy language of what we're going to do is called a Lectio Divina, which just means sacred reading. We're going to put ourselves into the text. We're going to put ourselves onto the soil where the seeds were scattered. And we're going to ask the question, which type of soil am I today? Okay? Today. Not in general. I think in general, we all hope we're the good soil. At least we should hope that. But if you've been following Jesus for 70 minutes or 70 years, on any given day, you could fit on different portions of this path. So I'm going to invite Elena up. You're going to get a different voice than mine reading the texts. Tim is going to play quietly behind us as we do this. We're going to read the text three different times. And I'm going to kind of give us some, some cues, some guidance as we go. Does that, does that make sense? Okay, so for those of you who are watching online, if you're in bed, sit up so that you don't fall asleep, okay? And if you are nice and straight-backed here in the church, go ahead and slouch so that you're actually comfortable, okay? Take a deep breath. Let me pray, and I'll give us our first uh, cues, and then Elena will read. Lord Jesus, we want to hear and understand what this text is saying to us today. So I ask, Lord, in, in kind of a holy, miraculous way, you would, you would take out from our minds any other messages we've heard on this text, any other times we've, we've heard application points or preaching, and help us focus into what you're saying to us today. Which path do you find yourself on? No judgment from me, no judgment from yourself either. Just which soil are you landing on? Welcome whatever you are. Elena. The farmer plants seed by taking God's word to others. The seed that fell on the footpath represents those who hear the message, only to have Satan come at once and take it away. The seed on the rocky soil represents those who hear the message, and immediately receive it with joy. But since they don't have deep roots, 
They don't last long. They fall away as soon as they have problems or are persecuted for believing God's word. The seed that fell among the thorns represents others who hear God's word. But all too quickly, the message is crowded out by the worries of this life, the lure of wealth, and the desire for other things. So no fruit is produced. And the seed that fell on good soil represents those who hear and accept God's word and produce a harvest of 30, 60, or even 100 times as much as had been planted. Which soil are you landing on? again to that same text and as you hear the soil that Jesus may be nudging you saying hey this is where you're at today pay attention to what emotions or feelings that rise to the top when you think of being that specific soil just sit with these emotions sit with these feelings and again no judgment the farmer plants seed by taking God's word to others The seed that fell on the footpath represents those who hear the message only to have Satan come at once and take it away. The seed on the rocky soil represents those who hear the message and immediately receive it with joy. But since they don't have deep roots, they don't last long. They fall away as soon as they have problems or are persecuted for believing God's word. The seed that fell among the thorns represents others who hear God's word, but all too quickly the message is crowded out by the worries of this life, the lure of wealth, and the desire for other things. So no fruit is produced. And the seed that fell on good soil represents those who hear and accept God's word and produce a harvest of 30, 60, or even 100 times as much as has been planted. Pay attention to what you may be feeling and experiencing when you put yourself on that soil that God is nudging you, saying, this is you today. Jesus trying to say to you today through this time, through this explanation of this parable? Do we need to ask him for ears to hear and the ability to listen and understand? On this final time through, ask Jesus for his understanding. Ask him if there's anything he wants you to do in response to hearing his words today. And thank him for loving you enough to invite you and me in to join the 12 for a deeper understanding of his, of his teachings. Thank him that we get to be the others. Elena. The farmer plants seed by taking God's word to others. 
The seed that fell on the footpath represents those who hear the message only to have Satan come at once and take it away. The seed on the rocky soil represents those who hear the message and immediately receive it with joy. But since they don't have deep roots, they don't last long. They fall away as soon as they have problems or are persecuted for believing God's word. The seed that fell among the thorns represents others who hear God's word, but all too quickly the message is crowded out by the worries of this life, the lure of wealth, and the desire for other things, so no fruit is produced. And the seed that fell on good soil represents those who hear and accept God's word and produce a harvest of 30, 60, or even 100 times as much as had been planted. Thank you for allowing us in today. We recognize that we could land on a completely different soil tomorrow, next week, next month, next year. I thank you that you take us where we are and you are walking with us as we keep trying to figure out what it means to follow you today. Give us ears to hear. Help us listen closely. Allow us to receive more and more of you, and we will be careful to give you all the honor and the glory and the praise. We pray this in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and all God's people said, amen, amen. Now, before Tim asks us to stand and sing the doxology together, two quick quick things, three quick things for community life.